Uh, Pastor Joshua last week talked about Jesus as the true vine. And it sort of set off a theme that we're gonna be exploring um, uh, throughout the, the summer here and there uh, on just some titles of Jesus, some names of Jesus, stuff that he was uh, uh, called, maybe that he called himself. If we, if we did every single one, it would take us a really, really, really long time. So we're just picking some of our favorite ones because it, it has ramifications of how we can relate to him and respond to him. So last week was Jesus the true vine. And this week, we're gonna stay in that same passage, which was the Last Supper. And I wanna explore this and then, and then get to this name. But first, we need to sort of set the, the table, as it were, for the Last Supper. Uh, this was an intense time, okay? This was like, uh, uh, they're, they're all, you know, they're here eating the Passover meal, but they're also at each other's throats. And already, even though Jesus, he tells them, Jesus is ready for like this sweet time. He tells them, I've been looking forward to having this Passover meal with you. And then they end up bickering about who's the greatest among them. It's kind of a bummer. Those of you guys who hate conflict, you would have hated this, this night. It would have just been the worst. They're just going at each other. And, um, and by the way, I, I don't, I don't use, well, okay. I don't know how many of you guys have watched the show, The Chosen. Anybody been watching that? All right, listen, I am a, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Some of you guys won't like me for this, but I'm a huge skeptic when it comes to Christian movies and TV shows. I just am because so many times they're so cheesy. They're so, it's just the acting is so bad. Sometimes the writing is so on the nose. I just really struggle with it. And I have loved The Chosen. It, uh, they, they do wonderful research, and cultural research and historical um, understanding with the dialogue. They've created backstories for all the different disciples. And it's a, it's a multi-season show about the, the ministry of Jesus, but especially on his disciples. So I just want to recommend it. You can, you can watch it for free. They have an app you can download and watch it for free, and they release one every, well, I guess the next one comes out on Wednesday, I guess, or every few weeks during this time of year. Um, but I was thinking about that as I was preparing this because they, they have such vivid depictions of the arguments that the disciples would have been having. And I've always said, man, can you imagine having a tax collector, one who had sold out to Rome, uh, alongside a zealot? One who was like, would, you know, maybe sneak up behind Roman soldiers and slit their throats. These are the kinds of extreme cultural and political opinions they had here. This was really intense. So this kind of tension is going on all night as they're, as, as they're sitting around the table. And then Jesus says, he says uh, that he is, that one of them is going to betray him. And so they're all, they're all like, not me, not me, not me. And he says, it's, it's Judas. He gives them the bread. Judas leaves. How, how tense and icy must that have been? And then he says to them, right on the heels of that, that he's going away to a place that they can't come. And, and, and then Peter is like, no, I'll come with you. I'll never, ever, 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 ever leave you. And Jesus is like, yes, you will. You're going to deny me three times tonight. Like, this is, every, this is just a bummer of a conversation. And, and so then he gets to this part. And this is John 14, um, verses 1 through 6. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way uh, to, you know, <laughs> you know the way to where I am going. He goes to prepare a place. I, now, just a quick aside here. Notice he didn't say I'm going to build a mansion for you. It's a, it's a very American mindset that I'm gonna get my own mansion and I know it works great for all the jokes. Yeah, I get that. But you don't get a mansion, sorry. You get a room in your father's house, which is much, much better. That's just an aside. So, but then Thomas says this, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? What a great question. Let me tell you, I actually really do, I, I like Thomas. I, I think Thomas has gotten a bad rap. They've attached a nickname to him as if all he goes around doing is doubting all the time, doubting Thomas. Where's Thomas? I don't know, probably doubting somewhere. Doubty McDoubt face down there. Like, what a one-dimensional view of this guy. This is a wonderful question. He's like, really, how do we know the way? What, what are you even talking about? And Jesus says, here's his response. How do we know the way? Jesus responds, Oh, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. Like I said, we're doing a series on the names of, of Jesus, and this is the one I want to talk about this morning. I am the way. What does that mean? What does he mean by this? Well, I want to take this from a couple of angles, okay? And the first is the most obvious. That's coming directly out of the context. I think here's what, he's, here's what he's saying. I am the way to God. I am the way to eternal life. There are not a ton of different ways. There's me. Now, nowadays, especially in the West, I don't feel like this has been a problem except for the last, you know, couple of decades as, as people have gotten different ideas in their heads, but this is always, this lately has been a thing that people are like, well, that's kind of offensive that he didn't say other ways were the way. And I, that, that's kind of a puzzling critique to me because I'm like, well, what if he's the only way? That would be really bad advice then to say there are a lot of ways. <laughs> like, I'd be giving bad directions. Some of you guys know, before we came here 12 years ago, um, we, it's been 12 years, crazy. Um, we were working at a Youth of the Mission base in Mendocino, California. And uh, Mendocino is a really interesting place. It's very isolated. It's about three and a half hours uh, northwest of San Francisco. You have to drive up and then cut way over and it's in the redwoods. You have to really work hard to get there. Um, and uh, in fact, we, yeah, there we go. There's a map. Um, this, is, this is zoomed in here, but you know, as you, you're coming from the, the east, 101 is way back there, and you gotta drive through the redwood forest along the Navarro River. And it's extremely windy. And you're going through the redwood forest. It's beautiful. First wine country in the redwood forest. Beautiful, but it's very windy and it takes a long time. 
Now, people would, would get online on the website and they would wanna come and visit. The place was called the Lord's Land. It had this incredible history all these hippies lived. There was a hippie commune for years and years. And then they all met Jesus. So it turned into a hippie, or to a Christian hippie commune. It went from being called the land, which is very earthy, to the Lord's land. They just gave it to him. And the name had stuck to when it became a wild place. So people would call or they would get online and they would see, okay, I want to come visit. And then they would click for directions. And it would tell them something that wasn't true. This is what it would tell them. See that yellow? It would tell them that. Now, here's the thing. There was that yellow thing that they didn't just make that up. That was an old logging road. And you have to drive up this ridge. And I was like, okay, that is not an actual road. That is not safe. So we, and we, we even, I emailed Google. You know what happens when you email, email Google? Nothing, nothing. You get an automated response like, sorry, hey, what do we do? We're Google. I'm like, this is not safe. Please don't give them that option. Because it, when we, we have to put a big disclaimer. Ignore Google. Google wants to send you to perdition. Do not follow Google. The only way to get here is to go all the way to the ocean and then you drive up the ridge. That's the only way to get there. That is it. There's only one way to the Lord's land, friends. And Jesus says, I'm it. Yeah, that's a little mean, Jesus. Well, actually, it's not if he's the only way. <laughs> like, that's the way. You see what he's saying? That's the way. Now, guys, I am all about bringing our concerns, bringing our doubts, bringing our questions, bringing our fears and pains to Jesus. You know that. And I think we should be free. And yes, when we are doubting, or when we're, be free to talk to him about that and to talk to your neighbors about, to talk to your friends about that. I don't think God is offended by those. But if you're gonna reject Christ, I would hope you would at least do it because you don't believe his claims and not because you're offended by something like this. Do you see what I'm saying? I think this is a very silly thing to be offended about. I think it's so distinctly American that we, would, that we would think it's offensive that he didn't lay out a hundred different ways to do something. Do you know what I mean? Like, here in America, we like stuff like Baskin-Robbins, where there's 31 different flavors. You know, we like all the options. We like going to, to Red Robin, when you can get all different kinds of cheese. But when we get upset, we're like, why doesn't he say there's more than one way to Jesus? To me, it's sort of like, why isn't there a pepper jack available for that burger? And I, I think, I, I don't think it's a good reason to reject him. Again, if you don't believe in his claims, that's one thing. But this, this is just very American. The fact is, if it's true that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, then we are all up a creek. And we need a way to salvation. Fortunately, we have one and it's Jesus. So to say, well, wait, you only have one, that's not fair. Why not five? Okay, suppose God said, here's five ways. Jesus says, I know I am a way to the Father, but there's also these other ones. Just imagine he did that and laid out and said, okay, every, every major world religion will also get you to the Father. Um, so we'll give like 10. Well, it's 10 ways. And then someone else says, wait a minute, but what about my way? And then just keep on adding, okay, okay, there's this, this. It, would never, it would never end. It would never be good enough. 
And I think that's kind of sad because the fact is, if it's true, if it's true that we all need salvation, guys, he's given us a way. He's given us a way. And it's him. He has made a way for our salvation. He's made a way to the Father. And I'm just so thankful that there is a way to the Father, aren't you? He is the way. He is the way. Only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ do we find redemption, do we find salvation, do we find freedom, and do we find adoption. I like how Peterson in the message translates this from the good folks at Navfress. Master, we have no idea where you're going. How do you expect us to know the road? Jesus said, I am the road. I am the road. Another option for that word would be journey. I am the journey. Think about that. And this is where I want to bring in this second sort of shade of meaning. I am the way. I want you to think about it in terms of a journey. When we put our faith in Christ, when we receive the salvation from, from that, that he offers, and when we begin to walk with him, he is the journey. He becomes the journey. In other words, he's not like, there's not like this road sign this way. You know, Jesus isn't, isn't an arrow on a road sign. We don't get a ticket for a toll road, you know? Like, he's the journey itself. He is, he is the way. Life with Christ isn't a decision that we make one time. Lord, I put my faith in you. Please forgive my sins. No. When we say yes to Jesus, we join him on a lifetime pilgrimage where he becomes the defining piece of our lives. He is the journey. So what does that journey look like? How can we describe the road? Excellent question. Thank you so much for asking it. I will answer, and I will answer. You're doing something I almost never do. I will answer with a scripture from the King James Version. Oh, man, so much cheering goes up when you mention the King James Version. <laughs> True story. When I was in school, this is the only version we were allowed to read from first grade. And it wasn't because we, we only believed in the King James. It's because our teachers really valued like literature and all these things and like, well, if we can get them to understand the King James Version in first grade, they'll understand Shakespeare. That was the theory. Anyway, here we go. This is from Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Um, by the way, I, you'll never be able to read this the same way again probably once I tell you this. Josh Davis just told me this. He says, isn't it funny how King James English often sounds like pirate speak? Enter ye at the straight gate. <laughs> right? Isn't that so true? For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. <laughs> That's like perfect for pirates speak there. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Arr. <laughs> Thank you, Josh Davis, wherever you are. That's my new favorite thing. I'm, I'm always going to read King James in the pirate voice. Now. The reason I want to show you this verse in King James is because of these two words, straight and narrow. This is where we get the term, the straight and narrow, because so many idioms come from the King James Version. 
So we get this term, the straight and narrow. Are you walking the straight and narrow? And we get this picture of this long, straight road of moral rigidity. If we do what's right, the path is straight and it'll be smooth sailing. And if things get bumpy, it's only because we've gotten off the straight and narrow. Mm. Well, that's wrong. You know how I know it's wrong? Spelling. Yeah, you didn't know you were coming to spelling class this morning. Get this. I just actually, I didn't know this until I was preparing. Check this out. There's a difference between the word straight and the word straight. There's two different words, two different spellings. One has a G-H and one doesn't. Straight, this is what we usually think of, right? Without curve or bend. Boom, it's straight. It's like a ruler. Then there's straight without a G-H, and it means of limited spatial capacity, narrow or cramped. And you could use straight as a noun, and you know what you get there? You get the thing that you see on a map, like a strip of water that connects two, two seas. So you get like the Strait of Gibraltar that connects the Mediterranean Sea to the Pacific Ocean. Or you get this one, the Strait of Hormuz. This is in the Middle East. That is not straight like a ruler, is it? It's actually very difficult to navigate. It's cramped and it's difficult. Straight versus straight. You guys, the way of Jesus is like that. It's like the Strait of Hormuz, nor not like the, the straight like a ruler. It's difficult. It's, it's hard to navigate. It's got lots of bends in it. It's confusing. Sometimes it's dizzying. So forget about the straight and narrow being the smooth thing. That's never bumpy. The ESV says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. We're getting closer. The way is hard. That's the picture. It's not smooth. It's, it's actually difficult. When I was at the Lord's Land on staff there, uh, I was excited one day to travel to San Francisco uh, to the airport to pick up one of our speakers named Al McBrien. And Al would teach all the time in, in YWAM schools and, and I loved this guy. I knew him just a little bit personally, but I had sat under his teachings a lot and he was a brilliant man. And so I was really excited to drive with him and have him all to myself and be able to pick his brain. Well, I did, and we were having a great time until we got on Highway 128 and we started going through that pass. And you guys who have gone through a lot of mountain passes, not, you know, it's not too bad going to the coast from here. Uh, where we were, it was really, really bad. And I was a flatlander. I was coming from Texas, you know? I didn't know about these windy roads, but it went like this and this and this and this and this. And I kept asking Al questions as I was driving and his answers got slower and slower, and there was more space in between, and pretty soon, he just said, I, I'm sorry, I just, I don't think I can talk right now. And then a minute later, he asked me to pull over. <laughs> and after he got sick, I let him drive the rest of the way. Guys, the way of Jesus is like that. <sighs> so encouraging this morning. The way of Jesus is like that. It's a lot more like that than it is a road without a bend. It's not a toll highway where you, you can just set, your, set your, your cruise control. It's a difficult road we travel. 
and I need to be clear on this because I, I'm always surprised how many people feel the bumps in the road that they're traveling and they go through sickness or they go through sadness, they go through financial hardship and relational strain and they think it's because God is angry with them. They think it's something abnormal. They think they have made some fatal error and that's why the road is no longer smooth. And I wanna say, no, the road was never smooth. It was never going to be smooth. But people carry this and they think, man, oh man, I don't know why we're having such a hard time with this issue. God must be upset that I made a mistake way back here and that's why he is punishing me now. Friends, I don't think that's our father. I don't think that's our father. I think we have some issues with our expectations. And I think we've got some problems with our theology. God is not taking revenge on you. I know there is such a thing as reaping and sowing. Like I, there definitely is such a thing when we can make bad decisions and then you have to deal with the fallout of those bad decisions. That's absolutely true. But to think that God's standard mode of operating is to look and go, wow, you missed that over there. I'm gonna have to bring some sickness on you now. That is really unfortunate theology. It's very bad theology. That's not your father. That's someone else's view of, their, uh, of God. That's not true. I just don't think he's out to do that, you guys. And I don't think the reverse is true either. I don't think that he intended the road to be all smooth, so as long as you obey, there will not be bumps. In this world, we will have trouble. You can look at the New Testament and you see what nonsense this whole thing really is. You see, remember, remember what Jesus went through in the New Testament? You remember everywhere he went, the crowds were hounding him. Everywhere he went, people were accusing him of things he didn't do. You remember how he went home to his very hometown and they tried to throw him out and stone him? Do you remember how he's, he's, he's getting uh, 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 mobbed and, and, and then how he gets arrested and, and for something he didn't do and then beaten and then abandoned by those he loved and, and tortured and killed? Do you remember that? What about Paul? Paul followed the way of Jesus really well. And how did it work out for him? Well, when he gave his life to Jesus, he lost everything. And then he had people that were constantly trying to kill him, constantly trying to beat him. Even his new Christian friends didn't trust him. And he would get beat within an inch of his life, even though it was illegal. All of these terrible things, and he's tried, people tried to murder him his whole life until finally they succeeded. And what about the disciples? Do you know, if church tradition is correct, 11 of the 12 disciples were martyred. So where do we get this idea that if you follow the way of Jesus, it's gonna be smooth sailing? I don't know, but we have to get rid of it. It's simply not true. It sets up all kinds of expectations that leads to all kinds of shame and guilt when things are hard. Friends, hear me. If things are hard, it's because they're just hard. And the way of Jesus has never been an insulation against pain. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about persecution this morning. 
I, I hope and pray you'll never experience persecution. That's not my point. My point is that if you think following Jesus will, will give you a pain-free life, you haven't read the New Testament. Do you hear me? And I know I'm hitting this hard, but I, because I know and I've talked to people just recently that are carrying this weight of like, oh, and I'm, I want to say, friends, following Jesus is just hard. It's not smooth. The road was never straight with a GH. The verse again says this, as Peterson translates it, the way to life, the way to God is vigorous and requires total attention. The way of Jesus is vigorous. In some ways, it's harder than other roads. You know that? Because Jesus, he puts demands on us. He, he limits our freedom. He limits our choices. And if we follow him, we, ha- we have to do, we, we follow him into that limited freedom. If you follow Jesus, so your life will be hashtag blessed. I worry a little bit for you. Because hard times really will come. They will, I promise. They will. In fact, you might get to a point where you say, I don't even know why I'm following right now. Maybe you've been there. Can I let you in on something? I've been there more than once. I've gotten to a place where I thought, Lord, there's all of these things, and ah, I don't even know why. What benefit is it of following you right now? This is really, really hard. It would be so much easier if I could set hope aside and just be done with that illusion, you know? Like, set that aside, because it's hard to continue to uphold hope. It's hard. It's hard to keep fighting and keep pressing forward and keep following the way of Jesus. It'd be a whole lot easier sometimes to give up, I think. I've been there. Maybe you've been there too. Well, you're in good company, I think, because the followers of Jesus were there. Do you remember when so many abandoned him? So many? Because it was hard. And Jesus asked Peter, what about you? And he said, where else can I go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, look, yeah, it's hard, but you are the way, Jesus. You are the way. There's not another way. Therefore, I'm not going to give up because you are worth it. You are the way. And even if I'm experiencing pain, I know you are the way. Pain and sadness and hardship All those things, friends, are not interruptions in our life. They're just part of the road. It's going to be part of following Jesus. And I think it's better for us to embrace that and not think of like, now, as soon as I'm done with sorrow, then I can go on with it. We're just going to have to embrace it. This is part of the road. There are potholes. There there are all, there's construction zones, just like all over I-5. That's the road. There's a lot of hard stuff. However, the reverse is true too. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. All praise to God 
and to, to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. We get a full measure of that too. Do you hear me, friends? You don't get an exemption from, from suffering, unfortunately. I wish that we could. I wish that all the prosperity preaching was true, that you get an exemption from suffering, but it's just not. But here's the thing. You get a full measure of his goodness and his healing comfort. You are never alone on the way of Jesus. Because he is the way. He's with you along the road. And you know what? So are your brothers and sisters. God made us incomplete. He made us so that we could rely on one another. And that is the beauty of being adopted into his family. You are not alone. Jesus promises to never leave you or forsake you. Never, ever, ever. Where else can you go? Where else can any of us go? Do you need an extra dose of his healing comfort this morning? If you do, can you stand? <laughs> 